BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Allie Colbert. I'm bisexual, so I'm attracted to both women and food. I'm a stand-up comedian, and I host The Ali Colbert Show, where we talk all things dating, sexuality, pop culture, television advice, everything queer. We are the anti-basic podcast. We do amazing interviews with my friends who are hilarious stand-up comedians and have on interesting authors, writers, and actors. So if you want to laugh, listen to steamy stories, or learn some new dating tricks, this is for you. Listen in wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, or wherever else. Welcome to Real Pod. It's your host, Victoria Garrick, and this is the podcast where we hold nothing back. Oh, so we're getting deep, huh? I really cried for 12 days straight. Why do I want to be perfect? There's nothing in my life that is perfect. Every week, I'll bring you honest, unfiltered, and eye-opening conversations to help uncover the real in all of us. I crave the type of content that you're talking about. I actually felt insecure. Oh my God, am I going to cry? Let me just unload everything. (laughs) (laughs) New episodes every Wednesday. Leave those filters at the door because it's time to get real. Okay, so this was the weirdest like body image slash old binge eating thoughts situation that like has happened to me in a while. I've just been waiting for like a body image themed episode to kind of tell you guys this story. I was sitting on the couch and I was really wanting donuts, specifically Krispy Kreme donuts. I think it was like a weeknight and it was like 9 p.m. But I was like, I really, really want Krispy Kremes. And Max was home, but I didn't like want to tell him that I wanted to order donuts. It was like I immediately felt super self-conscious that I was going to get donuts. And I think it's because we had in and out for dinner the night before. And then I think we had had some other sort of like fast food meal within the same like two days. And so I don't know. I thought like, is he going to judge me if I'm getting the Krispy Kremes? We also like just had dinner. And so I'm thinking it was really in that moment, the fear of him making a comment about what I'm choosing to eat, which as you all know, I talk frequently about how Max never makes comments and I've told him not to make comments. But in this scenario, 
I just felt super fragile and super susceptible to, okay, well, if tonight is the night that he decides to make a little joke or a little comment, like, I think it is going to ruin me. So that being my thought process, I'm like really terrified to honestly tell him that I want Krispy Kremes, but I really, really want them. And so then it's creating this like binge-esque scenario and desire in my mind because as my binge eaters know, if you are not allowed to have a food or can't have it, you just want it more. So it's kind of fueling this desire to have these Krispy Kremes. So I do the order on my phone like Postmates and they're ordered. And then now I'm in a pickle because I'm like, okay, I've ordered donuts. They're obviously going to come and arrive at the apartment. And Max doesn't know that I've ordered them, which is double weird that like I haven't told him. Not that I even like need to tell him, but you know, I'm like building it up in my mind. So then I'm like, okay, I need to tell Max I ordered the donuts, but I'm feeling you guys so weird about this. So he's standing in the kitchen. I'm on the couch and I'm like, babe. Uh, and he like looks at me and I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and I'm looking at him. And then he's looking at me like, what the F are you about to say right now? Like, because he thought I was going to say something really, really intense. And then my eyes start to water. (laughs) You guys, this is such a crazy story. My eyes start to water and he's like, what's wrong? Like, are you okay? And I was like, I ordered donuts. And he's looking at me. First of all, he has this like sigh of relief of like, that's what this is about. (laughs) Like, cause he thought I was going to say something really intense and he's just not really saying anything though. And I'm like, I ordered donuts because I really want them, but I was afraid that you judge me. And then of course he's cue the, oh babe. And he's like coming over to give me a big hug. And he's like, why do you think this? And I was like, I don't know. I just know we've like had a lot of fast food this week. And I, I don't know. I just felt weird about it. And he was like, it's totally fine. Like, you know, and just was just didn't even make it a big deal and was like, it's all good, you know? And of course the donuts come and Max has two because they're super good. Like anyways, I just am reflecting on this because it was a night for me where my thoughts really went back to this place of shame around what I wanted to eat. And I did my best to handle it by being brutally honest in the situation. And fortunately, Max was super understanding and he's such a loving person. So, you know, it was it was okay on the other end of me revealing what I had ordered. I guess I just share the story because every once in a while, we're going to have moments or times where we go back to this framework about food that isn't healthy or we get those rush of emotions that we used to have, you know, in certain eating calorie or body image scenarios. And it's just about taking those deep breaths and really working through them honestly and not letting it continue to snowball and create this big thing inside you. Because the second I spoke it into existence, the second that everything kind of poofed into oblivion. And it's funny because the donuts came, I had one They actually weren't even tasting that good, which was funny. And then I didn't even eat that many more. And then I think I had one more the next day for breakfast. And then they just kind of went stale and we throw them out. But 
I know, I know you guys that if I didn't tell Max and I just was kind of sneaky about the donuts or I waited till he went to sleep and I ordered them, I would have for sure ate the whole box. I would have ate the whole box, not because they were good, but because I created this scenario that I'm for some reason not allowed to eat these and he's not allowed to know. So just being honest about it also took the power away from the Krispy Kremes. And I realized I literally only wanted one. I had a taste for one and it wasn't even that good, which was funny because usually they're bomb. So that's my little ED recovery story for the week. Take it for what it's worth. Today's episode, we are going to be talking about things like this, you know, overcoming body dysmorphia, toxic diet culture as kids and teens growing up, the pressure of society to look a certain way. And joining me for this conversation is the one and only Iskra Lawrence. Oh my gosh, you guys. Yes, it is the queen. Iskra. She doesn't even need a last name. Iskra is like a Madonna or a Beyonce. For anyone who's not familiar with Iskra Lawrence, she's a British model and influencer, and she's the former face of Aerie. So she was a pioneer in the authenticity, no filter, self-love, body posi movement. She's also the founder of her skincare brand, Saltaire. I love Iskra. I've been a fan of her for years. So to have her on the show was such a full circle moment. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear from her. This episode's shout out goes to Courtney. What's up, Courtney? I know you're on your drive to work right now. I know that because Courtney left a five-star review that said, I look forward to RealPod episodes every week. Each episode is thought-provoking and Vic and the guests are truly genuine people. It's a great way to start my day as I listen on my commute to work. Thank you, Victoria. We need more humans like you. Oh my gosh, Courtney, I appreciate these kind words. And thank you for taking the time to leave a review. And I love, I love knowing that I'm a special part of your work day on that commute. Those commutes can be not the best. So having a good pod is so essential. And I am honored to be your pod of choice. If any of you other fantastic humans are enjoying the show and you want to leave a review, you can do that on iTunes and you might be the special shout out on next week's episode. You can also rate the show wherever you listen. We love a good rating. P.S. The Real Pod Live show is next week. It is literally days away. It is Monday night in Hollywood at the Hollywood Improv. Ticket link in description. Do not miss it. It is going to be a night to remember. So if you can come, you better come out because we're going to have a great, great time. Without further ado, let's get started with today's episode featuring the one and only Iskra Lawrence. Hair looks great. Oh, thanks. I just washed it for the first time in a week this morning. Nice. Just for you. Those are the best. I know. When you finally are like, you really let it like seep the oil. Yes. (laughs) It gets to a point where I'm like, how disgusting (laughs) can I get my Mm -hmm. hair (laughs) before I wash it? (laughs) I like that too. Because then it's just a major difference and you just feel incredible. Right. Right. It's so true. Yeah. No, but sometimes literally I don't wash my hair and then it is a game. Like, okay, how many how many days can I take this? Mm. I want to get to a place where I forgot the last time I washed my hair and then, then I will wash my hair. It's impressive. Well, I had a hair color like mishap happen a few months ago that person who colored my hair colored it the wrong color. No. Yes. I'm trying to remember if I saw this on social. Did Maybe. you post about it much? I did, but it was, it was, it was dramatic and it was like a 24 hour period and then I got fixed. But I remember I had to shampoo my hair like 
10 Ooh. times in like three days because I was trying to get the color out. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I reversed all the training I did. For sure. Because you have, you have you trained your hair to get it? I have. I'm two washes a week. Mm -hmm. I'd like it to be one, but... Ugh. Two is still I can't great. Go out in public like that. That's great. A lot of people. I used to wash it every single day. Wow, it's like yeah. my mom. Mm -hmm. But I've changed it. Anyways, Iskra, <laughs> welcome to Real Pod. <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. It's finally happening. I know. We have been like literally having a little love fest on social media yeah. for so many months. I just now. wanted to jump inside of one of your luggages and come with you <laughs> for all the things you've been doing. Like the wedding looked incredible, Aww, and your honeymoon, and just thanks. like you're just so filled with joy that Aww. I feel like it radiates. Oh my gosh, thank you. I feel the same way about you, thank and you. I feel like you know it's they say real recognition nice real and mm -hmm. you gravitate towards people who have similar energies so 100%. oh my gosh it means the world and <laughs> I've known about you for a long time mm -hmm. probably way prior to you even knowing that I existed because you obviously were one of the biggest trailblazers in the body positivity movement and also just the message of like realness and authenticity mm -hmm. like you were the face of that before it was trending <laughs> wow thank you it feels like a long time ago when I started talking about everything. And I don't know, it was from the age of 12 when I entered into the modeling industry. It took me so long to get to a point of being comfortable in my skin, let alone like self-love. It was right. just like, you know, body neutrality. So by the time social media came around, it was just like the perfect time for me to share my journey. And while it was just pictures on a grid, right? Right. I used the caption space and just really like found this connection with my people and found my people online. And I needed that community just as much as like they needed me through this whole thing. So I think that's really why it resonated so well. So 12 was the age you were mm. when you started modeling. Yes, I did my first shoot and I sent my images off to L Girl Search for Supermodel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I got into the finals and I went down to London with my mom and I got scouted from that. So when did you realize this is what you wanted to do? Also, 12 is an interesting age. 12, I think, is the first time I became aware of mm. my body. I remember 12 is like when I would step on the scale mm. and you know, to take it there real quick. I mean, I remember 12 years old was like, I don't want to hit 100. I don't want to hit 100. You mm. know, it's so young thinking about it now. It's so young. I remember I was already watching America and Britain's Next Top Model by then. So I feel like when that show came around, that's when I became hyper aware of like, oh, this is modeling. This isn't a fun industry. Look at what they get to do. They get to travel and create all these beautiful images and work with the team. And right. I came from a small town in the middle of nowhere called Kidderminster. That was so different from my reality of just like gray clouds, rain, living in a tiny house. And so that idea of like creation and being with a fabulous team and creating these images that lasted forever and dressing up and being all these different characters. Because I used to dance when I was younger. So it was like combination of getting to dance, getting to act, getting to perform, but also getting to create art. Right. Because I love art too. And so, yeah, that love started really young. And when you submitted and then got scouted, mm. were they like talking about your image or your body at oh the gosh. age of 12? Yes, 100%. Wow. 100%. And by the age of 14, 15, so I was on like models to watch because you can't earn money until you get a little bit older. I was doing free shoots and doing like little catwalks. But by the age of 15 is when my hips came in. You know, like I really kind of hit my mm -hmm. puberty time where I was already like my full height. I was five foot nine. I was like a 34C. I had hips. And that was when it really all started to became apparent that 
I was bigger than the other models. Mm. Every room I walked into, I would look around and be like, my body shape's different. And they started to measure me consistently. And then I stopped fitting in the sample size clothes. And that was the hardest bit because it felt completely out of my control. These clothes were the dictator of me getting to be in this fashion show or be in this shoot and I couldn't fit the clothes. Wow. So there's something wrong with me. That's immediately. And then I got dropped from the agency at 15. So then I was like, there's definitely something wrong with my body. We're going to take a moment to talk about shoes because let's get real. The cute, trendy shoes are normally the most uncomfortable. And it's like, why? You know, you want the cute shoes to be comfy too. Well, Vionic is here to change that with footwear that doesn't make you compromise on style for comfort with super supportive essentials. Bionic delivers on great feeling feet so you can live your best life through their Viomotion technology, a patent podiatrist-developed footbed that's built into every pair. You could say wearing Bionics is like an act of self-care. It feels like a literal hug for your feet. I have super flat feet, so it's very essential for me that my shoes have support. I have the Walker Classic in white. If you are looking for the perfect chunky white sneaker. You guys know the trend. I'm talking about the perfect chunky white sneaker. Look no further than Bionic. It's called the Walker Classic. It's got four and a half stars on over 800 reviews, me being one of them. And get this, Bionic has a 30-day risk-free trial, which means there's no reason for you not to buy. You can wear them, love them, or return for a full refund within 30 days if you're not satisfied. You can head to www.bionicshoes.com and use code REALPOD in all caps. That's REALPOD in all capital letters at checkout for free shipping. So go fill up those carts at www.bionicshoes.com and use code REALPOD in all caps at checkout for free shipping. And remember, you've got a 30-day money-back guarantee. I feel like it makes sense how mm. your body became the villain in this storyline. Because you had then spent 12, 13, 14, almost three, four years mm-hmm. modeling. Everything is going great. Yep. You're loving it. And then your body changes and you start losing the opportunities that you wanted to have. Mm-hmm. So then it becomes kind of like you against your body. For sure. And I'm seeing other girls growing and succeeding. And like one girl in particular who I like played netball with, she, you know, started to get Burberry campaigns and all these amazing things. And it was because she was smaller than me. And that's my head, right? That's, I just believed the reason I'm not succeeding is because I'm not small enough. Mm -hmm. So what do you do? You look and find diets. And what kind of diets does a 15-year-old see? The ones that are in the magazine where it's like, try the Beyonce, you know, maple syrup and cayenne pepper and water Mm -hmm. diet. Like it just so harmful. Yeah. And I know you know all of this. (laughs) I'm like, my mind is swirling with, I mean, and and it's this, it's, there's also a modeling thing. I remember Mm. seeing Adriana Lima's milkshake thing. Mm -hmm. Miranda Kerr always had hot water with a lemon in the morning. I could name all of what they ate. And I was like, like you said, 15. And then the whole Atkins push. Right. And then having slim quick shakes Mm -hmm. and lean cuisine meals. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's a, it's dark. (laughs) It's a dark, it's a dark time and there's no way to navigate it. And you have no idea that everyone else is also confused Mm -hmm. and is also probably looking at their body and wishing it was different or like the models or the celebs that they saw. You feel like you're the only one feeling this and it's so isolating. And that's why I think it is so powerful what you're doing and what we're trying to do showing up online and saying, hey, we all felt like this. You are not alone. Mm -hmm. You have support. And so I think that I just wish I, I guess I'd have had that community or had the 
the bravery or confidence. It's not even that, right? It's just you don't even know that you're struggling from body dysmorphia. You don't even know that it's not right to look in the mirror and want to pinch your skin and flesh back to try and get, you know, bone thin legs. I didn't know that that was a mental health issue that I should have sought help for. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. Gosh, you bring up such a great point because we just all went along with the narrative that this Mm -hmm. is beautiful. This is the one way to be. And, you know, I'm sure that there were maybe people in your life or even you thinking, yeah, okay, well, I need to fix myself. I need to fit Mm -hmm. this mold. You know, no one at that time was probably saying, stop it. You're beautiful the way that you are. Of course not. And my wonderful mother, who's like my best friend and always will be, wanted to support me so badly And those are the shows we watched, right? And we all know now we're going back to those shows and we're picking it apart and we're like, wow, what they were saying on America's Next Top Model was so damaging. My mom didn't know that. No one knew that. So she's reaffirming all those things and telling me, you should wear black. Don't wear ankle boots. They make your legs look big. Yeah. Cover up your spots. Like do all these things that she thought were helping me. Mm -hmm. Like let's wear yourself again today. I have sympathy and I can understand that as well. I Mm -hmm. have a loving mother. I love my mom. And we'll we'll laugh about this now because they came up in a time that was worse than the time we came up in. Mm -hmm. And it's all they knew. You know, I remember being in middle school wanting to lose weight and my mom came home with two cupcakes. I have, there's three of us and she only brought home two. And I was like, mom, why didn't you bring me a cupcake? And she was like, well, you told me you're trying to lose weight, so I want to support you. Wow. And I'm like, but mm-hmm. if you don't bring me the cupcake, it means that you think I should be losing. Like, right. you know, and it's like, I have compassion for moms who want their kids to be happy. And if we're crying that we don't like the way we look, they're exactly. probably freaking out. Like, okay, well, let me help you look differently. Uh, you know, it's a mess. And listen, it's still factually correct. I personally think that, especially in middle school, high school, people are judged on the size of their body. Fat phobia is still very prevalent in society today. It's improving because, you know, younger people have access to social media and able to follow people who can change that narrative. But in general, if you're in a larger body, you're probably going to still get bullied or, mm-hmm. or you know, you're going to feel ashamed for that. And so I think that often parents feel like they're trying to protect their children by helping them lose weight or have those discussions. And no one really knows how to communicate it, Mm -hmm. right? And I do think that that's one of the jobs that I want to do as a parent is really figure out how I can obviously continue to unlearn everything that I felt growing up. And I have this tiny little human who he's not judging anyone by the color of their skin or the size of their body or their ability. And I need to make sure that that continues Right. And for him to embrace himself fully, whatever that looks like. So, you know, there's a lot of pressure on parents, but I think that it's an exciting time because we have more resources and access to know how to speak to our kids. I never thought about that, how the protection is actually perpetuating mm-hmm. the fatphobic narrative. For sure. It's all so tricky and it's all so intertwined and deeply rooted in the way that we think and feel and what we yep. see in media. So when you get cut uh, from this agency, Mm -hmm. how does that affect your relationship with food? Oh my gosh. I mean, food's the enemy, right? Like I feel like every morning I look in the mirror and I'm wage a war on my body. And it's like, how many calories can I consume? Can I make sure I burn more than that? You know, that's really just how the view was. It was like a balance. And it was like, if I, and it didn't matter even what 
I was going to eat, as long as the calories were like 800 to 1,200 and I could burn ideally more than that, then that was the goal every day. Mm-hmm. And that's miserable, obviously, mm-hmm. as you know, and it's very tiring and it takes a toll on all the other things you do. So if you are athletic, you don't have the same amount of energy. If you are at school, you're not able to focus. If you have a friendship group, you're probably not going to want to hang out or be a social. So it starts impacting all those areas and everything starts to break down and then you become even more isolated mm-hmm. in how you're feeling. I feel like we had, I mean, obviously different experiences because you were an actual model and I wasn't, but it's coming back to me looking up Candace Swanepoel's measurements mm-hmm. and yep. then it's like measuring yourself and yep. wanting. I just remember her waist was like so iconic and it felt like every supermodel had the same measurements. Yeah. So not only like a lot of kids those days who are counting calories like I was, but you have this added like, what are my measurements? Mm, Right. So there was agencies that I applied to after I got dropped. And there was about 10 that were part of this ADA, AMA, (laughs) maybe AMA, (laughs) Association of Models. And they were the legit ones. And so I went and visited them all and came with my book. And specifically two moments stood out. One of them was an agency. I won't name names because things have come along a lot by then. But one of them was like, oh, we really see you as someone who could be a Victoria's Secrets model, but your body's already a little bit too mature for that. We're not sure like how that would work. And so it like simultaneously got my hopes up, but also simultaneously told me that there was still something that I wasn't good enough and it was physical. And then the other agency had a sheet of paper and they rated me out of 10 for everything. For my hair, so like zero to 10, skin, zero to 10, teeth, zero to, like everything. And you- What? Like, can you imagine? No. I remember my teeth weren't, they were maybe like a seven or an eight. So I'm like, mom, I think I need to get braces or whiten my teeth. Like how, how can you not- that have issues with how you look. That would mind fuck me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I would still think of it now. And like these yeah. people in this room rated my this, mm-hmm. this number. Yeah. And wow. I did an audition one time and it was to be an umbrella girl at like the Formula One. And I was only 16 maybe. And they put us in a room with the teams. So if you've ever seen a Formula One team, we're talking like all the mechanics it's a room full of maybe 20 to 30 men, grown men, mm-hmm. and you're 16. And you had to walk down like runway style while they held up numbers and like cheered and catcalled. And like, I remember in that moment, I was so uncomfortable and all the other models were like a little bit older. And luckily I stood my ground and said, I'm not doing this. I don't mm-hmm. want to be part of this, but I watched other girls do it. And half of them, it felt like they were so complicit they didn't even see a problem with it. And the other ones knew and it was just like killing them inside, but they didn't feel like they could speak up. Because what happens is you A, don't get the job. B, you piss off the agent. Because I remember we all went on a bus up there and it was just so awkward. And Mm -hmm. I was like, am I ever going to work again? Because agencies really manipulate you because it's all about your relationship with the agent. Because if a client calls, if you're the favorite at the moment, they're going to be like, yeah, Amy's available. But Iskra's not, no. Okay, I don't know about you, but before I go eat anywhere, I pour over lists and lists of reviews. I look at pictures. I mean, I do investigative research before I choose a place to eat. So why would I and we not do the same when we're booking a doctor's appointment? Well, 
With ZocDoc, you can see real, verified patient reviews to help you find the right doctor in your network and in your neighborhood. After all, finding the right doctor is just as, if not more important than finding the perfect breakfast burrito. I will say finding the right doctor is probably more important than the breakfast burrito, but it was a tough call. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, takes your insurance, and are available when you need them. Literally, a free app on your phone. You can find every specialist under the sun, whether you're trying to straighten the teeth, fix an achy back, get the mold checked out, or anything else you need, ZocDoc has you covered. I think it's so important, too, that your doctor's not only qualified, but is a good person, and that there's reviews where people are saying, they remember my name. They are always so kind. They're always patient with me. And you can get all of that information on ZocDoc. So go to ZocDoc.com slash RealPod and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's ZocDoc, Z-O-C-D-O-C.com slash RealPod, RealPod in all caps. ZocDoc dot com slash real pod. The power complex Mm -hmm. in the modeling industry is insane. And I didn't even properly understand it. I have more friends now who are models and I am Ella. Yeah. (laughs) Love Ella. She's the best. And I just am starting to learn more about this Mm -hmm. dichotomy of who you have to please impress because they are the gatekeeper. They are the gatekeepers. And it's great to see some things shifting with the power of social media to build your own platform and then have brands and clients want to specifically work with you. But back then there wasn't an Instagram or a TikTok or no one was asking for your social media kit. Mm -mm. So if the agency you'd signed to wasn't hot on you that day and Uh -uh. you weren't being easy to work with and complicit and doing as they say, because you said no on a set, that's potentially your whole career. 100%. And there's really effed up things like I've heard and they've done this in front of me on purpose, right? So I can understand what it means to piss off your agents. I've heard them say like, oh, shit, shit, that that bitch. Sorry, I don't like swearing, but <laughs> that bitch, I'm going to put her in a middle seat with a layover. <gasps> so like you just start to hear these things where it's like, oh my gosh, they're, on, they're purposefully making me aware that if I don't play by their rules or kiss ass or whatever it might be how they want me to behave, they're going to make my life difficult. I'm either not going to work, I'm going to get paid late, or they're just going to treat me badly. I feel like I'm like reading a really good book right now because <laughs> we're at the part where it's like, Everything saying, you know, you have to do it our way. You're not mm. good enough. And then obviously sitting here now, I know how your story is going to unfold. <laughs> but if you walk us through, like, you probably had a moment where you could have said, screw this. I don't want to be a model. Definitely. I'm not. I'm too good for this. Or maybe I really wanted to do this. And I wanted to do it my way. But how am I going to break through? Yeah. So what are the first steps to get you on the path of honestly carving a path for yourself in the industry? Mm-hmm. No, it was... I still don't, can't believe I managed to do it. I still feel like almost like a con man because everyone told me it was not going to happen. People, I was with agencies who would laugh at me when I said I wanted to go to New York. Can you send my pictures to a New York agency? You'll never get signed. You're not plus size. You're not straight size. There's no, literally, there's no industry for you. There's no clients for you. So I went direct to the clients. So there were swimwear clients and I saw that they would shoot a girl who was like a standard sample size, maybe like a B cup, a size, a US terms like two, 
maybe. And then they would shoot a plus size girl sometimes. And so I said to them, I was like, hey, I can be the girl in the middle. And that looks a lot like your customer. And so I tried it out and I sold. Like, What was this? Like you were looking up brands' emails and yes. you were just staying up at night sending them? Exactly. E-commerce websites mainly. And then I there was this it's Tesco's. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's like a grocery store equivalent to like, I guess, a Walmart, maybe a little bit smaller. But I called them up and I was like, hey, I can. And it's a bit cheeky, right? I can be more affordable than the models you book. Right. I would <laughs> I'll be, do it for free. <laughs> I'll do it for free. Pick me. Yeah. But I was like, I'm athletic. They were shooting sports bras. And so there's also websites that would show castings for like unsigned models. So I was like in there deep in the forums. I was connecting with photographers who worked for different clients. And when you build a relationship with a photographer, sometimes they'll just say to the client, hey, I think you should really use this girl. So I started off very much with the swim because I was a swimmer. I was a national swimmer. And so that was like easy, like an easy way in. I worked with Speedo for a while. And then I had images and more and more clients realize that, hey, I kind of look like their customer. I sell. And that's a really tricky thing to get your head around as a model because I think when you start, you see the angels. You see those women and you're like, it's all about them. Everyone wants them. 99.9% of modeling jobs are just models who are on e-commerce websites selling whatever they're wearing. So I think I clicked into that and realized if I could be efficient, so changing quickly, being great on set and selling the garments. So in other words, knowing how to move the garments and work like that and just try and enjoy the job, I would get booked and people would want to work with me. So I kind of approached it from that area, like very logically. And then I went back to an agency and I begged them and I said, I know you don't really have anyone my size, but I could be the one girl that is that size. And I will bring these clients that Mm -hmm. I have and I'll give you 20% just to take me on. What a businesswoman. But luckily I was, and again, it's all timing, right? I was lucky. The agent before did not want to sign me. This man who was part of that agency didn't. And they just brought on this curvy black woman. And she was like, yes, I want to change things too. And so again, it's like opportunity, timing, consistency, you know, dedication, like not giving up. And if, you know, I kept banging on the door and then one time someone let me in and that was it. I was through the first door. (laughs) One thing I'm realizing and we didn't cover that I do want to know is before you got to this, you probably had a moment with yourself where you got to decide, am Mm -hmm. I going to keep crash dieting, try to lose weight, shrink myself and fit the mold of what these people are saying I need to be? Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to embrace who I am, how my body looks, and I'm going to try to be successful out of that. So sounds like you took that route, but what was the decision like? Right. It's hard to pinpoint, honestly, but I think there is a point when anyone's trying to chase any career, when the people around you start to be like, it's not going to happen, or the route you're taking. Like my dad said, it's like, if you continue to have the same consistent action, you will have the same reaction. So it was like, I'm not getting anywhere doing exactly what I'm doing. I'm never going to be slim enough. Like this is not my body shape. And so I saw the Vogue Italia cover. I don't know if you remember, it was like Candice Huffine and Tara Lynn. And it was this plus size cover that was so iconic. And it was just like, wow, this is happening right? They're starting to embrace. And then America's Next Top Model too. They started to have plus size girls in there. So I think I just realized that it can change. Like there's evidence that things are changing and I might not be considered plus size, but there's a way to just 
do it differently. Um, and I know you've been transparent about struggling with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. So what was your relationship with food like? Right. Like when you started going for these shoots as yourself, were you repairing your relationship with food? Did you mm-hmm. have things still lingering? Everything's still lingering for sure. I think that my road to recovery wasn't so black and white because I didn't even know that I had decided to <laughs> go on a road to recovery. I'd gotten to a point where whatever I was doing wasn't working. It was making me unhappy. It was not yielding the results that I hoped. Plus, I changed my environment. I was at that point in a manipulative relationship with someone for nearly five years. And so when I came out of that relationship, I moved down to London and I lived with my friend Frankie, who was so fun. And we just had fun. And I think I started to let the kind of like pressures that I felt about food and about my weight dissipate because I was so focused on like this being the best time of my life to be free. And I think that, I don't know about you, but your eating disorder is not freeing. There's nothing free about that. So I think that that was a huge component of it. I was like, I'm going to try and be free in every area of my life from this abusive, not physically abusive, but mentally abusive relationship, which again, I understand I also had very low expectations for myself because when you have body dysmorphia and eating disorder and you're going through all of that, it's not very likely that you're going to be in a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. So when you just said (laughs) we had fun, you know, I started to smile because literally diets, diet culture, uh, eating disorders is a fun sucker. It's like a life ruiner, obviously. And, you know, you're always thinking about it. Yes. What can I eat? What can't I eat? You're talking to people thinking, is it lunchtime? Am I allowed to eat yet? Yeah. You know, you're at an event thinking, how do I look in the photos? How do I look mm-hmm. in my dress? How do I look compared to the other people? I mean, you just can't like be free. You can't. And I feel like, you know, I I realized too, there's just so much more to life than so what more. I can't eat for lunch today. Yeah. So with Frankie, she was the best support that I could have through this because she was the most like fun, carefree person to the point where like she didn't work. We just partied all the time. <laughs> but she also understood because her mom was a psychologist. So she had a Louise Hay book that was all about affirmations. And that's how I started to learn about affirmations. And me and her would like make healthy smoothies together. But it wasn't because we were trying to lose weight. It was like because we were trying to nourish our body. So my mindset shifted because it's hard to go from zero to nothing. Mm -hmm. And there was definitely a pendulum swing at some point where I don't know how to word this correctly, but I felt so un-in control that it swung the other way. And there was some kind of binging behavior. Right. But then finding the middle ground of like me and Frankie went to the gym to train to get strong and we went together and it was fun. Right. So it wasn't exercising to burn calories anymore. And then with the food, it was like, let's try and make up these cool, healthy, yummy recipes, Mm -hmm. but not because they're low calorie, but because they are nutritious and we're enjoying this and we're doing this together. So. Right. Well, once again, it's like you are thinking, oh my gosh, I can work out and move my body and have Mm -hmm. it not be to change myself. And I can eat because it tastes good and it makes me feel good. And it's not to change myself, you know, because we've literally come up where we've been taught anything you're eating or anything you're doing for movement should be to tweak your body and make it thinner, you know? I know. And have that like goal. And that's why there was a phase where I was trying to tell people body goals can't 
you can use that term, but it should be about your own goals for your body. And that could be how it moves, how flexible it is, how agile it is. You know, if you want to accomplish a big hike, up a, like there's other ways to view it. But for me, body goals for sure was someone else's body who was never attainable, mm-hmm. never realistic for me and only served to make me feel like I was failing. Quick pause to talk about our next partner, which is a product I use literally every single day, Athletic Greens. Now, if you're looking for a way to incorporate some sort of health routine into your life that is not draining, is not toxic, and won't make you feel bad about yourself, Athletic Greens is the perfect solution. I love Athletic Greens. It is a greens powder that contains all the most important things your body needs in one delicious scoop. One scoop of Athletic Greens has 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, aging, all the things. And I love it because it's just one small micro habit with huge, huge benefits. Athletic Greens is like the one little thing I do for myself every day where I know I'm taking care of my body and I don't have to worry about like taking tons of different vitamins or tons of different supplements. I just choose this one with the most high quality ingredients that my body will actually absorb. Right now, it is time to arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the fall flu and cold season. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you, real pod listeners, a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. I love those travel packs. Do not sleep on this. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash realpod. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash realpod to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So you start making these power moves mm-hmm. and you're starting to realize, okay, I'm carving a path. Yeah. Is the big break airy? I mean, that's how the public, I think, maybe you know there were so many little breaks along the way, but how does airy come about? Airy's definitely my big break. I was a successful model at that point in the sense of I was able to pay my rent and eat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was many years where I was not. And, you know, there's many years I had to share a room and a bathroom and really be careful on what I bought food wise because I just couldn't afford to live. Because generally when you're a model, you have to live in London, in New York. And those are some of the most expensive places in the world to live. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really tricky. And with modeling, there's a ton of outgoings, traveling for shoots, traveling for castings, trying to keep up a little bit with what you're wearing. And so that I did feel like, hey, I'm, I'm a model. And I felt more confident calling myself a model, even though I also simultaneously felt embarrassed because people would look me up and down when they asked me, especially in New York. It's like, oh, what do you do? And I, I'm a model. And I felt like I had to say plus size model. Other plus size models didn't like me because I don't know, I was I was kind of coming into their, their industry and t- sometimes getting their jobs. But at the same time, I would book clients. And then when I was on, was on set, the actual people who were the stylists were then like, you're way too small. We need you to wear fat padding. And so that was, wow. yeah, it was a really tricky time. And Again, I had to at some point say to my agency, I do not want to pad. This isn't why I went down this route. This isn't why I have fought for the last 10 years to change this industry is to just wear fat pads. That's not okay. It's just as bad as photoshopping me smaller. It's so the irony of of you are not small enough. You're not skinny enough. We're dropping you. And then now they're saying you're not large enough. 
because there literally wasn't enough clients until Aerie. There wasn't enough clients for me to survive in New York and pay my rent unless I got those plus size bookings. And a lot of the time I was too small. So my agency was like, if you want to live and stay in New York and you want us to continue signing you, you you're probably going to have to compromise and put on fat pads. It wasn't until I got Aerie and Aerie was willing to just have me as I was that I could say, bye, I'm never wearing these fat pads again. I don't have to compromise because there's a client. And they were just the first, right? They really, really established themselves so far before anyone else. How does that come about? Who's the person at Aerie? And are you realizing the gravity of like, I'm going to be the face and this? I mean, did you go home skipping? I want I want every detail of this. Right. I mean, I, kn- I knew it was major because I was one of the biggest girls they'd used at that point. And I remember going to the casting and the casting's big. There's a lot of girls that go to those castings. Everyone wants this. And they asked me, what's your favorite part of your body? And my agents was like, oh, you're going to say your butt. And I was like, no, I'm going to say my web toes. I need to stand out. I need to be weird. I need to be different. Like I've seen like some of their fun campaigns they do. They want people that are unique. So I went for the web toes and we just had a blast and we were laughing. And, and I was like, come on, come on, come on. And I got the call to say I booked the shoot. And it was in Key West and it was a five day shoot. And I got one day. And so there was models who had more days than me, but I got one day and I was like, darn it, if I don't make an impression on every single person on this shoot and like, I know I'm going to love it. I want them to love me and I'm going to do whatever it takes. So I just, you know, worked my ass off, was the most polite on time. Said hi to everyone. Yeah, because I, my biggest thing with modeling was I knew that there was a limited pool of clients that I could get. So when I did get one step in the door, I would get a rebooked and rebooked and rebooked. And that was kind of my thing. So I would have clients for years, whereas maybe one model would shoot for a client and that was it. They would get someone else. Mm-hmm. But I was like, no, I need the client to fall in love with me. And I mean, it's kind of unheard of. I worked with them for seven years. And in this industry and in this space where people want like new, fresh faces, they want to get, and again now, different people's audiences. That, that was really special to me anyway, because I knew that we were building something together. But it wasn't until the images came out. And in particular, there was one where, I don't know if you remember, I was like twisting and yeah. bending. And I had some rolls, which is completely normal. And like some reason it blew up on the internet because people were like, what is this fat lingerie model doing? Like, why does her stomach look like that? What's wrong with her? People were saying, has she had multiple kids? Does she have, people were just wild. And then that's when I knew we were onto something because I said, if people are shocked by this, that that means there's a lot of work to be done. Wow. So it blew up negatively first negatively. before it took the positive traction. 100%. So there was a tweet and it was one of those accounts where it was like MX bitch or whatever. Like it was just a negative a Twitter <laughs> no account. Photo. You know, yeah. just one of those like meme type things. And it, what did it even say? It was just like, like yuck, look at this lingerie model's stomach or something like that. And then obviously there were wonderful people who were supportive, but there were a lot of people like, this is not what we want to see. And they were referring to obviously the competitor. They were like, this is what we're used to seeing. The the fantasy, the, mm-hmm. you know, the retouch, the beautiful. And then they were like, what's this? So what do you make of Victoria's Secret now and pretty much every brand (laughs) flipping their switch because this is now what the people want. Like, do you buy it? Do you support it? And I I have my own. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's so tough. What I don't want to do is it. You can't. 
be so critical that other brands see it and then they're like, we won't even bother. Look, that brand finally changed and is trying to do better and people are not accepting it to the point of like, it then puts other people off doing it, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because I've heard brands do that. I've heard brands say, oh, well, we saw, you know, Reese go up in sizing and it didn't work and no one bought it. So we're not going to try. It like proves that we shouldn't do that because it's a bad decision. Their brand was doing better before they tried to extend sizes or before they tried to be more inclusive. We'll just stick to what we're good at. So I don't ever want brands to think that. So there's definitely this like juxtaposition of being like, this feels reactionary. Yeah. This does not feel like it's part of what you truly believe in. But I will also say that if they did change the internal teams and they have people now on board who do believe in it, right? how can we not let them mm-hmm. push forward and push for what they want? Yeah, I, I think I feel like we need to celebrate growth. Yes. We need to celebrate growth. And like, what's the point of pushing for change? And then when people finally say, okay, we're going to get on board, we say, no, well, we don't want you. Right. It's like, I think growth is important. Obviously, we have to acknowledge the past and we can't mm-hmm. forget it. And, you know, Victoria's Secret for me, that was the thing that I feel like was the center mm-hmm. of, you know, what I struggled with. So it's touchy. But now I've done brand deals with Pink. Victoria's mm-hmm. Secret sent me, I posted actually about Victoria's Secret's campaign changing. They reached out, sent me a lovely note and some mm-hmm. product. And I just sat in my office thinking, I can't believe this. Like, this yeah. is the brand that I used to right. I Of course, we all wanted to be Victoria's Secret Angels. I was mm-hmm. never a model or an aspiring model. But, but we're told that's the beauty ideal. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, you know, if you could be a Victoria's Secret model, oh, that would be everything. And then I'm thinking, wow, now I'm 25. They sent me a handwritten note and mm-hmm. some gifts and are trying to be different. You know, a part of me, that is a beautiful thing. Right. It is a beautiful thing thinking, oh, this really powerful entity mm-hmm. can sway Has humbly things. now yeah. asking for help. In like, the other, want to do better. Yeah, in the other direction, you know? So, and it's tough. And there's people who will never want to hop on board for some of these brands. Mm-hmm. They'll never want to support, you know? So, but it's, it's a fascinating topic. It is. And I think as long as we remember as consumers... At any time, we check in with how we're feeling about a brand. And we do. We vote with our dollar, right? You don't have to shop at a place where you don't have a positive connection. It's as simple as that. And I think where it gets trickier is if you are plus size. If you're in a larger body, there are far less options and places for you to shop. Mm -hmm. So making those decisions based on morals can get tougher because the selection just isn't there. And I think when we talk about, you know, reaction to body positivity like is it reactionary or was it actually part of what they believe in in their core and their values the same as for sustainability something else I want to ask you about because Mm -hmm. I have been navigating this myself Mm -hmm. is forming an identity around your body image and past struggles yeah and I really feel like whether it's a lot of people look at me to talk about binge eating recovery and intuitive eating and, you know, I, I post hashtag real post and having stretch marks and rules. I feel like I've gotten to a place recently where I don't want to make a TikTok about binge eating disorders. 
I, oh my gosh, like, this is crazy you're saying this. Because you feel that way? Me and Philip had this conversation last night. We were talking about how excited I was to come on this podcast. And then I was saying, you know, recently I've been reaching out to a few like new TikTokers who I'm like super excited about and I love their content. And they'll reply to me and they'll be like, thank you, you helped my journey so much. And, mm-hmm. and it's all past tense. And I was explaining to Philip and I just said, it feels like that was a season of my life where I was hyper-focused on that. And I felt like I needed to be a crusader for talking about body acceptance and my body. And then I did it. And then I was validated because I was the face of Aerie for so long and I was on billboards and I did get the cover of Glamour Mag and all these things. And I can't talk about it because now it feels forced Well, in a way. And it's just like, so I think that that's a really challenging space to be in because Mm -hmm. then it sometimes feels like, oh, that's all people want from me. And if I don't give them this content, because that's what they've come to me and known me for, right. then who am I going to be for them? And, you know, part of recovery is like not centering our bodies. Yes. And it's weird because everything that I feel like I did for a, a, like a few years was that. Mm. And at some point, I'm just kind of like, I have a great relationship with food now. I don't think about right. my body every day, but here I am sitting down thinking I need to post a side-by-side because that's going to outperform anything else I would post this week anyways. Yeah. I mean, I, I 100% went through the exact same thing. And like, if you look at my content, there is not as much anymore because like you said, I'm not hyper-focused on it. And that is when you get to the best place, mm-hmm. it's not on your mind. Yeah. Like I'm thinking about my business with Saltaire. I'm thinking about my child. I'm thinking about all these other things. And it's like, I would have to sit down and bring up and like trudge up right. past stuff. And I'm like, that's doing a disservice to where I've gotten my road to recovery to right. the point where like I don't wake up. And even if I have, you know, put on weight or even if I have like changed physically or even postpartum, I struggle to produce that content because it just wasn't what my focus was. And I feel like this is relatable for anyone who's had an identity of some sort for Mm -hmm. a long time, that life is long and we're going to go through seasons where we're not the volleyball player, we're not Mm. the sister, the teacher, whatever it is, like things change. And so yeah, it's comforting to know that you go through that a little bit too. And I've certainly been trying to evolve my brand. I think the wedding was hugely helpful for me mm-hmm. to realize that people do care about me mm-hmm. and they they care that I'm getting married and and what kind of flowers I'm doing. Yes. And, you know, I feel like a few years ago, I would have thought, oh, no one cares about anything I do in my life. They just want me to talk about mental health or eating disorders. And you know what? There might be some followers who do only want that content from you? They they might, right? right? And I think anytime you have that shift, you will may lose some followers, but you will gain new ones. You right. know, and all those different seasons, I obviously have a lot more mom followers than I did before because they relate to me now in this new season. So I think that that shift, and I, anyone who's listening to this, I hope you know too that the creators that you're following, their content is going to change mm-hmm. like that's it, it has to because they're going to change and evolve and like supporting us through those shifts means so much because it reassures us that you're here for us right not just the viral before and after picture whatever it is it's just inhuman to expect yeah. that like someone or something could talk about be about post about one mm-hmm. thing for the rest of time but I know the moral debate of like 
you thinking I was this crusader. I was this. And yes. now am I just leaving them? And I'm, right. and they don't have anything, you know, and someone once I posted this in a, one shape or form sometime and mm. a person messaged me and said, you know, this content you used to post served me and what you do helps oh. me now. But I think the message was like, people might come and go. You might help someone for this two, three-year period when they were going through something similar to you. And then they move on and they find something else that inspires them. And you're helping the next person who's struggling to navigate being a mom and running a business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that, again, comes down to you have to enjoy what you post, you know? And if you're forcing content purely because you know it performs well or because you think it might serve other people, you still have to do stuff that's going to serve yourself. And with social media, you have to show up consistently Mm -hmm. for years. (laughs) And so imagining that you can talk about the same topic for years would be 100% tiring. And it would just mean that you wouldn't end up showing up at all. Mm -hmm. So I think having that balance and maybe even realizing slowly filtering it out, right? Mm -hmm. Not all of a sudden like, hey, this is now a floral arrangement account. (laughs) Bye. Right, like not making it so black and white. Yes. I've been actually trying. That's my thing I've been working on is embracing the gray area. So Mm. as you head forward and there's lots of lots of opportunities coming your way and lots going on, how do you center yourself or keep yourself grounded in these periods where there's lots of change because Mm. there are people who just graduated college and they're just starting their jobs or they're switching jobs like you know at that season of life when the identity doesn't feel so obvious Mm -hmm. what helps you my community and when I say that like just the people physically around me in life like my friends and my family and checking in with them is so so important then working on goals I think that as long as I feel like I'm moving forward even if I'm in place of like instability or feeling lost I mean I feel like we all through the pandemic were just like what the heck is going on the whole world is chaos around us and for me kind of like locking in and being like I can still focus on the goals and the things I want that fulfill me, give me purpose, bring me joy. And like, what are those steps that I can continue no matter what's going on on the outside? Like I'm in my little boat, (laughs) um, name drop. (laughs) When I was working with L'Oreal in in Cannes one year, Jane Fonda did a really intimate little talk where my mom was just bawling her eyes out. And I was like, I know she's right here. (laughs) And she said that you are in a boat and you are holding the oars and you are the person who has to steer in the direction you want to go. The waves are going to get choppy. There are going to be storms, but you are in that boat and your reaction to things and your action is you continuing to row. And so I often feel like that and sometimes my arms get tired (laughs) (laughs) or like sometimes things do like turbulent things happen and you're like, damn, I didn't see that coming or like not working with air anymore because it was pandemic and I couldn't fulfill 50 days a year of my contract in person, Mm -hmm. you know, touring and going to colleges like that just wasn't going to happen. So it's like crumbs. What do I do now? You know, are there any clients that want me after I've been, you know, the face of airy for seven years? So all of those like new challenges, it was like, but hey, I've always wanted to have my own brand. There's no better time. I lost something. It's gone. I have space to fill. Let me now put my energy and invest in building that. And so I've definitely taken taken my experience of being a model where everything felt completely out of my control, to be honest, for nearly two decades. And it was all based on clients booking me to now like, if I have my own brand that I own, no one can take that away from me. Mm -hmm. So I think for anyone, 
And again, that might not relate to someone in college, but I still think there are things that you can do and put into action and continue to focus and goal set with that no one else can take from you no matter what else is going on. You are so wise, (laughs) well-spoken, smart, like all the power moves you took. I can't wait to listen to this back and like literally take notes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything. I appreciate it. And I've been a huge fan of you. I am a huge fan. It's so Mm -hmm. great to be connected. And I really appreciate it, Iskra. Yeah, I appreciate you and all of your doing. (laughs) It's true. Like I'm excited to see your posts. You brighten up my feed. And I think that that in a world where it can be a bit dark and, you know, at times like, where is my community? Sometimes it is online. So Mm -hmm. thanks for being you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of RealPod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of RealPod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind-the-scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.